I got a song filled with shit for the strong-willed When the world gives you a raw deal Sets you off till you Scream, piss off, screw you When it talks to you like you don't belong It tells you you're in the wrong field When something's in your mitochondrial Cause it lasts on to you like Knock, knock, let the devil in Manevolent as I've ever been Head is spinning, this medicine Screaming, dick, 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 medicine it, Dick, dick, like a solid ball Like a Allen Poe should have been dead a long time ago Liquid Tylenol, gelatin Sneak my skeletons melting Wicked, I get all high When I think I smell the scent of elephant Manure, hell, I make a lure Screw it to hell with it I went through hell with accelerants And blew up my, my, myself again What's up? Welcome to show 100 It's it's the 100th show Of the Life of an Average Show podcast I I, I don't know how I don't know how many times I've recorded and never thought that the show would go to 100 episodes. I never had any intention of quitting, of course, but 100 episodes. So before I get started on this fun podcast, I just want to say thanks once again to everybody that listened to the last episode. If you missed any episodes, you can go ahead and check them out on the Life of an Average Show com. You can find all the links there. You can go ahead and find me on any platform everywhere I, there's there's platforms that pop up seriously almost weekly that I'm like oh that's a thing and I'm on it and okay cool so I'm here doing the 100th episode and I threw the script out the window not that I ever do a script anyway but sometimes I do because sometimes I have notes sometimes I have lots of notes that I don't use sometimes I have notes that I use sometimes I just wing it Today's episode, guys, I'm <clears throat> I'm parched. <laughs> it's hot in Texas. Okay, just just understand that. We are in the summer, and it's hot, and it's not getting any cooler. And I don't even know if it's ever going to rain again. But anyway, you've heard me complain about that enough for the last month and a half, so I'm not going to say it again. Well, I probably will. But 100 episodes. You know, it's so interesting to me because when I first started the podcast, the Life of an Average Joe podcast. I wasn't sure. You know, I just wasn't sure exactly where things were going to go. What we were going to do, how we were going to do them. You know, I knew the possibility that it might end. You know, I knew the possibility that this could be a project that I start. That quite frankly, guys, I'm adjusting. I'm recording in a very odd place right now. So, I mean, not odd like a bathroom you know, we're in the bathtub or anything like that, but just, I, you know, look, by the time you guys hear this, I will probably have moved, so I'm in the process of moving, and I've started to slowly, actually, let's be real, very quickly take things down, so my studio is not available anymore, it's just not, so uh, anyway, I digress, but when I started the podcast, I knew it was going to be difficult. Not so much for me to get out there and talk about things, but to reach people, to grow, to take it to a level that I wanted to to be at. And quite frankly, I'm not at that level right now. I'm getting there. But there's a lot of things that are coming that take time. And there's a lot of things that are coming that (laughs) take money. But, you know, it's just you got to build. And when you look at how much, do you know that more people 
listen to podcasts than watch Netflix. They listen to a podcast more than they watch Netflix. It's not to say that they don't watch Netflix, but they have more people that have said, look, I listen to one show, two show, whatever, a podcast daily, as opposed to there can be days that I don't watch anything on Netflix. That's amazing. And when COVID started, we really saw people get into it more. We saw people do the social media, the TikToks, YouTube, podcasting, coming up and being creative. And there was a lot of companies that made those platforms easy to use, very accessible. There were a lot of people that, quite frankly, never even knew what a podcast was that dived into it. That said, you know what? I'm just going to get out there. I got a funny story to tell. I'm going to talk. You know, me and my friends sit around all the time and talk, so why can't I talk? And I got to tell you, that's why the majority of podcasts fail. The, the number when you look at it, for how many people start a podcast, most people don't make it past episode 10. And most podcasts, I mean, it's like 75 to 80% of them fail within the first year if they even make it a year. It's Look it up. The, the numbers are astronomical. And it's a, there's a couple reasons why. Number one, there's a ton of podcasts out there. What makes you different? What makes you unique? What makes you... Who, who's your target audience? Yeah, I mean, you just throw a dart and you're going to find a podcast about a subject. There's not going to be something new that you're going to come up with that isn't already out there in one degree or another. There's plenty of people out there talking about their life like I do and doing what I do. They're not having the same stories, but different stories. So it's, it's, it's unique, you know, it's, or it's not unique. I think that my show's unique. I think my show's very different. I think that, yes, there's other people that do it, but I think that I have a lot to offer people. And I think one of the things, God, I got to get situated here. This is the worst setup. I, I cannot wait oh, to move and get a better setup. Um, and I, I could not go to the real studio for this. So anyway, um, but I think what I do is different. I, I think that I'm not trying to be anybody else. And I think a lot of people watch or listen to a lot of podcasts, watch a lot of other YouTube shows and, and things like that and see people on TikTok and they, they almost try to, to copy and mimic that. And I think that's where they fail. I know there's better podcasts out there than me. I know there's people that have more money sunk into their podcast, more professional equipment, more editing. I understand that. They've got their logos. They've got their... Intro, outros, they got more sponsors. I get that. So when I started the podcast, I got to be honest with you. I knew I could go for a long time. But I wasn't sure if it was going to work or not. I don't need to spend time talking to myself. I do that enough. <laughs> I don't need time sitting here creating a project that's going to soak up the time I don't have. But I remember... The idea, the idea of the life of an average show came a long, long time ago, actually. And if you guys have heard this, then I digress. Skip ahead. Actually, don't. Just listen. 
I had this concept as I was growing up. I mean, I'm a late teenager, early 20s. And I was thinking about all these things that I've done, good and bad, you know, beneficial to myself and, and some not so beneficial. And I read a lot of books, or at the time I did. I don't read nearly as much as I'd like to now, but I, I still read. Um, I'm, I'm getting more into it. My real thing is I like to do 15 pages a day is my, is my magic number, 10 to 15 pages a day of a book. Now, I can tell you in the last week and a half, I've probably got 30 pages total. So I'm not living that up, but I'm also extremely busy. But back in the day, I used to read a lot. And I would read these books and stories, these autobiographies or, or what have you, or, or stories of everybody. I always mention The Heroine Diaries by Nikki Six, you know, from Motley Crue. Motley Crue is not one of my favorite bands. Matter of fact, they're not even on my list. They're not even in my top 50. They're not even in a top 100. Do I like some of their stuff? Yeah, but I just don't care. But I like some of his solo. He and Nikki Six had this band called 6AM. And I dug one of their albums. And when you bought the book, it came with the CD. And I read the book. And it is... The Heroine Diaries is a crazy, insane story. Unreal book. I really liked it. But it kind of took this idea that I had been thinking about for years. And I said, you know what? What about the people out in the world that we see on a daily basis? The guys that are at the, you know, at the gas station pumping gas. The, you know, the girls we see at the grocery store. You know, people driving. Like, people that you meet at random. What about those people in the world that could just live this, quote-unquote, normal, basic life, but behind closed doors, we know nothing about them? We don't know their stories. We don't know where they came from. We don't know anything. So Nikki Six is only in this position with this book that everybody's buying because he's famous. But if he was a guy you met at the bar and he told you these stories, you'd be blown away and it would be insane, but you move on because it's not anybody normal. There's not anybody famous. There's nothing special other than that this guy lived a crazy life. And I thought, man, I've lived a crazy life. Granted, I don't have the heroin diaries type stories, thank God. But there are things that have happened in my life that I haven't even got to yet on this podcast. There are things that I've been involved in that I don't know if I'll ever get to on this, on this podcast for many reasons. And I thought, i got to write a book. i got to write a book. And I got the idea of the life of an average Joe. Okay, now, people might be like, it's not an original name, whatever. That's fine. But it was more or less the life of an average Joe. And that was the, the main title, the main theme. But as I had this vision for books, there was going to be different ones. The Life of an Average Joe, My Life Behind Bars. The first book that's coming out that we're going to get to in the second part of this episode. The Life of an Average Joe, or it was The Life of an Average Joe, My Love Life. I think I changed the title. The Love Life of an Average Joe is what I ended up going with in the title. Because, quite frankly, 
I had some stories about relationships and I clearly a lot more now. Good and bad, what I've learned, what I haven't learned, and I thought it made some interesting reads. I've got some wild stories about some stupid girls I dated, trust me. Um, and then my third one, I wasn't sure what it was going to be. I had different angles. Now I have a third one that I'm working on that it's called Toy Cars on the Nightstand. You might know that name. Toy Cars on the Nightstand, the stories of an average dad. Now, it's still in the life of an average Joe umbrella. But these were all things. I had these ideas for the life of an average Joe. And this was long before a podcast was even an option. This was long before a podcast was even a thing. Long before the blogs even came along. And then I transitioned into that and all that. And I started to put these things down on paper for years started writing them in notebooks. And again, I'll get to that in the second half of the show. But I thought when COVID hit, and this is not the first podcast I've been on. Some of you guys think it is. It's not. I did a podcast for a local media outlet here in Frisco, Texas, talking about the lifestyles of people in Frisco and what they do and what comes. Everything was Frisco-centric. Everything. And I did a, I wrote for them for years and I did a podcast and I would interview local artists. But that wasn't even the first podcast I was on. I was on a podcast back in Michigan with one of my, my boys who worked for a local radio station. And before that, and I talked about this in one of the episodes, years before that, I did a hotline. Now, some of you might not even have a clue what that is. But before podcasts and Apple iPhones and YouTube and all that, there were hotlines. Yes, the internet was around, but there was a hotline. There was sports hotlines. There was all kinds of stuff. And you would call and listen to your news. ESPN had hotlines. So we did one about wrestling, and I was the host. And I treat, it was like a talk show. It was a hotline. You'd call and you'd listen to my show. You'd leave messages and emails and all that. But it was essentially... A podcast that you called this 1-800 number and listened. It was crazy, by the way. So if you ever want to hear the story behind that, go go listen to my old wrestling podcast I did because I talk about that. So I've done this before. I've been guests on podcasts before I started working or doing any podcast. But when COVID hit and everything was different and I was just coming through my divorce, I thought, man, now's the time. And I look back, recently I went back and listened to my first episode. And it's so funny, for anybody that's been involved in something, whether that's writing or drawing or painting or singing or a band or a podcast, you know those first episodes are rough. I even have rough episodes now, and I feel like I've come a long way. But that's what makes it special, in my opinion. And I know some people that have gone back and deleted their first episodes, and I'm like, nah, man, that's you. It's like when you get a crappy tattoo. You get, you know, most people, when they get their first tattoo, it's crappy. It doesn't mean anything. I can tell you, my first tattoo is garbage. And some people do a cover-up, and some people, you know, try to incorporate it, or they're embarrassed by it. Man, that's part of your story. Like, you know when somebody asks about your ink, you can say, hey, oh, this one? Oh, I was 16, I got a tattoo. But, you know, you tell a story. When I listen to those, when I go back and listen to some of my earlier episodes, the first handful, I'm like, man, that's part of your journey. 
It still could be good content, but that's part of your journey. Why get rid of it? But I remember recording the first episode. I remember the little mic I had. It was a crappy mic, too. And I was in my apartment. My son wasn't there, obviously, and I was in the bedroom. And I was walking during the whole podcast, walking and talking. A lot of times when I talk, well, let me tell you this way. Whenever I talk on the phone, I'd say 95% of the time I walk around. I got a video, actually, of my son when he was really little, like one and a half, holding up something. I don't know. It wasn't a phone. And he's literally in, imitating me because he's seen me so much. If anybody's ever been around me when I've been on the phone, I get up, I walk around, and I, and I just walk. That's just what I do. So with the podcast, that's what I was doing. I had this little microphone. I was recording into this phone, not on a computer. And I was walking around. And I did that a couple times. And then I noticed I started to pick up some stuff that I didn't like on the podcast because of me walking. So I changed it. Became more stationary. Even now, my, my arms are in the air. I'm flaring. I want to get up and walk around. But I'm not. Not refraining. But that's part of the journey. And, and I look back at this as I approach my 100th episode and I've seen what has changed. I used to not have a Facebook page for the Life of an Average Show podcast at all. I had one for when I did Toy Cars in the Nightstand, the blog. Um, which is since, it was a blog that turned into a podcast that since died. Um, but I, I love that title, so I'm, I'm putting it in one of my books. Um, I was doing a lot. I was doing a lot during that COVID first year. I was doing the Life of an Average Show podcast. I was doing Toy Cars in the Nightstand. I was on Stereo with David Harvey, who you've heard on here. We did a weekly This Dude and That Dude. I was on... God, what's the other one I did? There was this other app I was on, and it was micro-podcasting. And they actually paid me to do it for a while. Um, and I did this thing called the Motivational Minute. And it was no more than three-minute podcasts. And I would come on sometimes twice a week, maybe three, and do some... It wasn't just like, today's a great day because you're alive. Not that type of motivational stuff. I, it was more realistic, but it was... It was getting people to think about things, and it was the Motivational Minute, and I did that for a year. I got paid for it, and then that app totally fell apart. Um, then, of course, I was obviously the Instagram, Twitter, social media, you know, all that crap. And then we started Trash Talk, which is going on almost two years. And so I had a, and I was writing, and then... I was, you know, it was insane. So I had to whittle some of the stuff down, but I didn't even have a Life of an Average Show Instagram, um, Twitter, or Facebook. I just promoted it on Toy Cars on the Nightstand. I was making that, like, my platform, and I was like, this is dumb. Like, they're two separate entities. You have to have all this stuff. So I was late to the game on getting my Instagram I'm getting my TikTok for the podcast, mostly because I had so much going on that I wasn't sure which direction I was going to go with it. And I really thought that Toy Cars in the Nightstand was going to be bigger than it was. 
and Life of the Average Joe would be there, but not right away. And I was wrong because now, because of you guys, because of the support I got, because of the sponsors, because of the fun I'm having and the stories I tell and the commitment, Life of an Average Joe podcast always has room to go. You, whatever you do in life, you have room to grow. I don't care what it is. But I am now at a point that I never thought I'd be at where I have sponsors. And I didn't set out to get sponsors. I set out to tell my story. However long that was, a hundred episodes, a thousand episodes, five thousand episodes, I was going to tell my story until it was done or until I felt like there was nothing else to say. That was my original goal. Yes, the idea of potentially making some money, getting exposure, creating this network that I've created and been part of or, or been incorporated into, yeah, sure, that's there, but that's not my focus. And even today, 100 episodes in, that's not my focus. Yeah, I look at the numbers and yeah, I want to make it better and, and I want to make the sponsors happy and I, and I want that growth, but I enjoy what I'm doing. I love it. And it's not easy. It is not easy. This podcast is not easy to do. It's not plugging in a mic and just talking. You know how many times I have been downright beaten, tired, recording at like two in the morning? Or I've worked when I would work overnights when I started this thing. And I was like, okay, I've got to record two episodes today because I got a big night ahead of me. So after working till 6 in the morning, going to bed finally around 7, 7.30, sleeping till noon, getting up, recording two episodes, which typically was two hours, unless I didn't screw up. I can't tell you. There were nights where I didn't have time to go to bed. I would get home from work at seven, 6 o'clock in the morning, 7 in the morning, take a shower, set up my mic, and do a podcast. I couldn't go to bed because I had to, right after the podcast, I had to go pick up my son. And then, at, thank God, he was napping at the time. But then I wouldn't go to bed until he napped around 1 o'clock, 12.30, 1 o'clock, sometimes 1.30. That's when I would get my nap in after recording two episodes. And there are some episodes I, I can tell, and I know others can tell, and there's some I know for a fact that nobody can tell what is going on in my life, what my mood is. If I'm sick, tired, hungry, whatever, nobody has any idea. And those were, those episodes are out there. It is a commitment. You cannot skip. The one thing I'm going to tell you is when you do, if anybody starts a podcast, you cannot sit here and go, I don't want to do it today. Unless you have a podcast locked and loaded. Because let me tell you something. Nobody cares what your problems are. If they are supporting you and your content and your art and anything they do, they want to support you. But the minute you step away from the scene, you're forgotten about. You will be forgotten. You will lose all that ground and it'll take you a long time to recover. I know this for a fact because I saw my growth in the beginning really kind of slow. And that happens. That happens for a lot of people. But I was playing around on the days when I would drop it. And some episodes, I sometimes it would be every other week. And 
I probably would have been at the 100th episode a lot sooner had I just recorded weekly, but there were some episodes that I thought needed to be promoted longer. So I would do an episode, skip the next week, and just promote it. Instead of just promoting the show as a show with a podcast, and yes, you're, report, you're, you're promoting those episodes, but you're, you're, reporting the, you're promoting the big picture, I would focus on the individual episode, and I think that hurt me. And I saw it. If you step away from that podcast, and some people have, look, there's that's life. Oh, I hate this chair. That's life. You you know, sometimes you just have to step away and you have to put it down. You have to do what's better for anybody. And I would, I'll quit. If if this podcast was interfering in me raising my son, guess what? Podcast is over flat. No issues. Sorry, sponsors, sorry fans. I'm out. But if you step away, you better you better understand something. You're not gonna you're not gonna be remembered for long. You have to constantly, constantly be. This is a job, essentially. Because if you're not out there promoting, if you're not out there on social media doing what you're doing, if you're not out there talking about the podcast, networking with other podcasters, also supporting other podcasters. I mean, like, give me a break. Like, you're in a podcast. I talked to this guy who's in a podcast who doesn't listen to any podcast, and that blows my mind. He's like, yeah, I got some guys that are great, and they got a show. I just never listened to it. Well, that's kind of selfish. I, I can't. I listen to a ton of shows. I listen to shows of people. <laughs> Look, my boy's back up in Michigan, the Notes My Goats podcast. I was listening to them long before we ever connected. Long before I was ever on, long before we've talked and, and I joined, uh, you know, the, the basketball tournament, long before we talked about planning trips and, and hooking up when I go to Michigan or when they come to Texas, long before that, I was listening to the show because I was a fan and I was supporting that. Same thing with Travis Patton Sr. Senior over TMG. I was a fan. We met at a podcast-a-thon. And I was a fan. I liked it. And we started boom, boom, boom. Now he's been on Trash Talk twice. Uh, Stuart and I were on his show. I got to get him on my show, Travis. It's coming, I promise. Um, you know, Nick Luck. How many times is he on here? We do Wisdom almost every Friday. But I got to know him and listen to his podcast before any of that. Look, the Wilson King podcast. How many times have you heard me talk about that? And I listened to him and supported him before I was a guest and before he was a guest. My boy Chris, he's kind of stepped away from his podcast in Boston, but I, but he's still doing it. But he's got a lot on his plate, but I love Chris. I listened to that before we were connected. There, I mean, there's countless other guys. There's a lot more, too. You know, there's, there, there's a lot. And if I'm forgetting them, I apologize. I promise you, it's just because I'm exhausted. But you gotta support. The best way that you can support a podcaster is listen, share, and talk about it. It's not buying merch. It's not, you know, it's just listen. Just share it once in a while. Hey man, this is cool. I liked it. Give them constructive criticism. I love hearing that. But there's people out there that do two or three episodes like, ah, it's not taking off, I quit. Well, of course it is, man. You're going to get Joe Rogan numbers in, in episode three? <laughs> I mean, it's just not going to happen. 
And it's a lot of work. And there are times that I am not in the mood, that I have, have to force myself. This is why I record, though, three or four episodes ahead of time, because I know I'm going to have those days. I'd rather bang out four episodes and be done for a month and not have to worry about recording for another three weeks than do them weekly. And that's why you get behind, because people do them weekly. And I'm not going to tell you what to do, whatever works. But if anybody thinks that there's a podcast... You can pick up a mic and and make a podcast and it's easy. You're dead wrong. This is exhausting at times. And it's a full-time job. It is. Because you have to stay in the limelight. And I tell you what, I have met some amazing people. That might be one of the, the coolest things about doing this podcast and listening to other podcasts is meeting some amazing people. I've got shows lined up that I'm about to be guests on that I'm excited, I don't know what just beeped at me. So, I don't know, is that my time? Um, that I'm about to be a guest on that I never even met these people. I'm stoked. You know, I've got people coming on my show that I never met. Yes, yeah, you know, if it, one, of the, one of the coolest guests I had on most recently was Alan Taylor. Him and his wife travel the country, living in the van. He's an author, he's a great dude and a supporter of the show, but I never even met him. But we had such a great interview and pre-conversation and post-conversation, I'm a fan. It's, the podcasting thing has been great. It's been tough at times too. It's been tough to talk about some of those things, you know, that, that you dig up. I've had moments. Uh, there's been things that I've wanted to say on the show that I haven't. I'm like, let me take a break. Ooh, let me Let me not do that. It's been therapeutic too at times. I'll be honest with you. I know some of my shows hit and it's not for every audience member, but I've gotten things off my chest that I've had to work out. And I wasn't sure as this podcast has grown because it is. You know, it's not just a story every week of something that happened in Brandon's life. It's about my current life too. You know, it's about like the, just the other week I talked about, it was last week I did the movies, most overrated movies in my opinion. That's not really a situation in Brandon's life, but it's fun, it's pop culture, and it's it's me, it's still about me. It's, it's adding another layer to who I am. You know, interviewing people that have nothing to do with my life past, but are in my life present, or just because I want to interview them, this show has developed and changed, and that's what you have to do. You have to grow. It can't be the same thing all the time or it's going to get old. You're going to get bored with it. And if you get bored with it, and who's going to listen to it? And I've got some things coming up. You know, I never went... We had a lot of crap happen with COVID and politics and all that. And over the course of the last 100 episodes, I had two episodes. Minus the ones that I do with David Harvey, this dude, and that dude. Where we have that segment. Because that, anything's possible. We could talk about sports, politics... Uh, crypto, anything. It's whatever we pick that day. Minus those, though, I've had two episodes on my show that I consider to be quote-unquote political. One of them was during the the Trump-Biden election because I was just sick and tired of both these idiots. And so I came out there and I said my piece about politics. And that was it. And then one of them recently, I don't even remember what it was. It was the whole gun thing. I think we were talking about gun control and, and, and... just saw that. I mean, I got heated. 
knew what was going on in the state of the country, real state of the union address. But I didn't want to turn my show into a political rant or a life rant. And so I'm very cautious about bringing that stuff up. Not because I'm afraid to talk about it. I just think we hear that all day long. You turn on any news channel, you're going to hear that. You can find politics anywhere. Nobody wants to hear that crap. And if they do, God, I'm thirsty. They don't need to come to me. So I wanted it to be about me. I want to be real. I want to be open. And I want to throw it all out there. And sometimes that is hard to do. And you have to be willing to do that. And I think that's what's got me to this 100th episode. Is that when I'm talking, I know people are listening. And not just my friends and my acquaintances and co-workers and people that I met. I get emails from people that I've never met in my life. And that is huge for me. That means so much. When somebody texts me, man, hey, I listened to your episode about concerts and I went to this concert too and guess how I got my ticket. I'm like, man, that's cool. That's a cool story. Or somebody sends me an email like I got on the upcoming email show. Hey man, how come you never talk about this? Well, that, okay, that's interesting. That means they want to hear it, but I wonder why. You know, like, it's awesome. It's, it's, it's an amazing experience and I have so much more to come. And I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for everybody that's listening and the support you get. And really, the thing I'll say before I get into the next segment, which is the, the important one in my opinion, um, who cares? You, when you do something, you are never going to get the full gratitude, the full appreciation that you deserve. You're just not. Nobody's going to give you props. So if you're out there waiting for accolades and waiting for people to sit there and tell you how great your show is or how great you are of a singer or writer, it's not going to happen. You have to do it for you and you have to look at any negative comment as still a comment and move on. Any praise you get, you take it, you own it, you, you, you treat it with the utmost respect and you move on. Because... You will get discouraged when you get involved in something like this and you just can't care. I know I've got trolls out there that listen just to talk crap. I promise you I do. I can name a few. That's all they do. They listen. They, they, I live rent-free in their head. And that's fine. I mean, hey, thanks. Keep listening. You're paying the bills. Well, you're paying a bill. I'm not at that bills level yet. But, you know, well, I could say two bills. Maybe... Three, depending on what they are, get paid from this. So, hey, I'll take it, man. Um, but just don't worry about it. You got to move on. You got to have that passion. Don't get discouraged and keep chipping away at the stone. Consistency, consistency, consistency. That's all I can say about the podcast. Guys, I'm going to take a commercial break. And they're going to come back. And we're going to talk about something I've been talking about since day one of the Life of an Average Show podcast. Yeah, I think you guys know what it is. The, the, the anticipation that's been waiting for months, months, years in the making. We're going to talk about it. i got a lot to say. I'll be right back at this commercial break. Hey guys, welcome back. Thank you for taking that commercial break with me. Very, very, so much going on, man. This is the 100th episode, you know. And it kind of crept up on me. I knew it was coming. I knew that it was getting close. And 
I think I may have mentioned this earlier. If I haven't, then forgive me. Um, if I have, well, just hear it again. That's what old people do. They just repeat themselves. I used to not label, or I should say number my episodes. And a lot of people thought that was strange. Actually, I didn't really hear anything about it until recently. And it didn't really come to my attention until recently. And the reason I didn't number my episodes, I'll tell you, I like titles. You know, I like seasons and, and I, I look at a lot of podcasts that do seasons. And the reasons I, I do seasons is to know when I'm ending it, to know like if there's a theme. For example, December. I did a couple different holiday type style episodes. So when I end it, or because I record ahead a lot of times, I know that in that season I wanted maybe five, six episodes. Or maybe I wanted 10 and I, I did it from November to December. Something like that. To where I know that when this was over and I was starting the new year, it was a brand new topic. We're done talking about the holidays. We're done going down nostalgia lane. We're moving forward. And I would create titles for the episode. It kind of gives people an interest into what the episode might be, like a little clue, I should say, or it piques people's interest as to, hey, what, what is this guy talking about? What does this mean? And then in the description, of course, I give a little, you know, like anybody else, nothing, no, no rocket science here, no brain surgery taking place, just kind of basics 101. So I would do, you know, season eight, episode one, season, you know what I mean? But then I thought to myself, wait a minute, I can still do the seasons while numbering my episodes because it is nice to reference episode 100, for example. And I'm the type of guy that forgets numbers. I can much more, like if you talk to me about season two of Daredevil, I can tell you what episode happened and all that stuff. It's weird because I forget names all the time. It's, I, I draw a blank. Like, I'll be talking and doing an ep a podcast and referencing names. I'm like, wait a minute, who? But then the minute I'm done with the podcast, I'm like, oh, that person's name. Like, I, it's weird. But I definitely, if you tell me, hey, listen to this guy's podcast or this girl's podcast episode, Mommy and Daddy Issues. I I'll remember that. But if you tell me, hey, listen to this girl's podcast, episode 39, I promise you, if I don't write it down, I'm going to forget. But I realize that that's just me and not everybody remembers those things differently. So, or remembers those things the same way. So I'm going to start with episode 100, still doing the seasons, but episode 100 from now on will be numbered. Go ahead and clap. Give me a round of applause. Yes. I still have the titles, but episode 100. And I think that's why it snuck up on me because I was just like, wait a minute, am I there yet? It also feels like I should have been there by now or I should be at episode 200 because things take so long. I mean, if you think about it, you're putting out an episode a week. And I talked about this in the first half. You're putting out an episode a week. That's a lot of work. That's a lot of content creating. It takes time. And I don't care who you are. I don't care. And I keep using Joe Rogan as an example because why not? I don't care if you're Joe Rogan, Gordon Ramsay, Eminem's daughter who just started her podcast, me, my boys at the Wilson King, my boys at Notes My Goats, Nick, my boy Chris, Travis, Stuart, whatever. I don't care what level of podcasting or content creating you're doing. You are putting your heart and soul into it. And to me, that takes courage. 
it takes time. It takes respect. So I respect everybody out there that's doing it. I may not like everybody out there. It might not be my thing. But the fact that you're putting yourself out there, that takes time. And this is why a lot of people bail on it. They bail on podcasting. They have this idea, an image in their head that they can do it. And once they get in the middle of it, they're like, man, I don't know. It's just, it's not taking off. I'm not making money. I don't understand it. Look, it's not a, if you build it, they will come thing. You got to, you got to hustle. And it, and here's the thing. You have to accept the fact that it might not ever take off. You might not ever reach the pinnacle that you have in your mind. And you have to set expectations for yourself so you know this is why I'm doing it. And guess what? If you quit, it's okay. But I can tell you if you're going to quit, if you're not committed, don't start. Don't start all the way. Now, if you're committed and you start and you realize it's not for you, that's one thing. But the people that, that are just like, yeah, this will be fun. We can just do it and get together and talk. Oh, my God. And then it doesn't work out. Well, don't don't bother. And I know some really cool people who had a good podcast. I know this guy. I'm not going to say anything. He had a great podcast. I enjoyed it. He was fun. He's funny. He is funny. I like him. He's from the UK. Actually, no, he's from Australia. And um, great dude. I still follow him, still listen to his content uh, that he posts all over the other social media platforms. But he realized, man, I just don't have the time for it. And I realized I'm just not feeling it. It's not my thing. Nothing wrong with that. I was bummed out because I enjoyed his podcast. But hey, he's doing other stuff. And he's content creating in a different way. So when this 100th episode like came up, I was like, dude, what am I going to do? And I had all kind of thoughts. I was going to do a month leading up to the 100 episodes of interviews and lives and life happens, right? That's the thing. When you're, when you have other things that you have to do, like, I don't know, take care of your toddler, spend time with your son, raise your son, enjoy your son, things like that. You don't have time to sit there and go, you know what, I can't, I can't hang out with you today, buddy, because I've got to go do a live podcast from some venue and have fun instead of hanging out with you. That's not me. I've said it since day one. I will trash this podcast if it ever gets in the way of my son and I. And then you've got other things like, I don't know, sleep, which is strange and I don't even fully understand it. Um, you also have other things like, uh, you know, work. Because regardless of my amazing sponsors that I love and I'm truly blessed for and the support that I get from the platforms and you guys, I know this is going to sound <laughs> shocking. I can't quit my day job for this. I wish I could. And when I do, you guys will know. <laughs> but I can't. I'm not there. In a multiverse of madness, if I was in a different multiverse and I didn't have you know, my son and, and it, it never existed. So, you know, I didn't miss him. I could commit 137% of my time to this and not work as much. And maybe it would go to that level. Maybe it wouldn't, who knows. But in this timeline, the one I live in, I can't do that. So because I can't do that, things take time. So I said, you know what, let's scratch that. Let's scratch that idea. Let's do something else. What do we want to do for our 100th episode? We. Well, it's the occasional we. It's the whatever we. 
psychological we, I guess, with all the we's in my head. Um, what do I want to talk about? The journey? Yeah, we could talk about the journey. The future? Yes, the future. Now, if you guys know me at all, and you guys have listened to me, or you guys are my friends or family or whatever, I've always had a lot of ideas. It's, it's actually great and exciting, and also sometimes a pain. Because I have these ideas in my head for things that can work, that I know I can do. But the logistics of it and the ability to execute it in a timely manner sometimes escapes me. It escapes me because I put too much on my plate. I always have. I, I hate, I, I gotta tell you something. I hate it, guys. I am pouring some more water. So just if you hear it, deal with it. Get this Brita filter is my lifesaver, by the way. I don't know why it's taken me this long to get one of these. It's, it's a game changer. For as much water as I drink, it's a game changer. But I don't know why. I don't know why. I think because I've, I've over... I've, let, me, let me put you this way, guys. I am the type of guy that can have a thousand things on my list, on my agenda, and knock them out. Exhausted, zombified... Michael Myers resurrected 12 times. I can do it. I am that guy. If anybody has known me over the course of my life or knows me now, you know that's me. I might be cranky. I might be sleep deprived. I might look like crap. You might not want to be around me ever, but I can get things done. I did it when I worked in the nightclubs and bars. I've done it, period. I do it at my job now, which at times, eight times out of 10, I don't even like. I have the ability to take on a lot of tasks and do them. Now, 80% of that took place before children. However, even with my amazing son, who I spend all my time with, if I can, you know, within reason, because I do have to, you know, take a shower and go to work sometimes, um, I still have the ability to do it. Even now, I think, and this is, this is not like a praise me, look at me, please, let's talk about how amazing I am. I mean, feel free to do that, but even now, I do a weekly show with Stuart Sachs Trash Talk every Tuesday. Now, it's no secret that we typically film those ahead of time. There's days just recently, now my son wasn't here, but I got to work at 5 a.m. in the morning. I left at 1.45 in the afternoon. I went to the store to get some groceries, get a couple things for the house, came home, took a shower, made a sandwich, probably a, I think it was a sandwich. Was it a sandwich? Yeah, it was a wrap. I made a wrap, set up the podcast, recorded five episodes of Trash Talk, five then was a special guest on somebody else's show. Then had a special guest on my show. Actually, it was four episodes of Trash Talk. I'm sorry. Had a special guest on my show. So we're at six episodes. Mind you, this is not just talk, talk, talk. This is, I am changing outfits, changing backgrounds, changing topics nonstop. Then after that, answered some emails, cleaned at the time it was the apartment, cleaned the apartment, watched a movie, Went to bed, got up at 5.45, 
drank, uh, drank a little water, went to the gym, did a 45 minute workout, came back, made my coffee, hung out, then went and picked up my son for the week. That's insane because really all I wanted to do was nothing, but I've always managed to get stuff done. I've always managed, Hey, I'm going to watch this TV show while I answer these emails and pay bills. Constant multitasking. Now that's not, I'm just good at it, but I found out in life, I don't like it. (laughs) Lately, I don't like it. And I get on overload. The problem is that some of these projects you can't do. So I start these things and I put them on timeout. One of the biggest things, and one I'm going to talk about that's finally, you know, completed. You ever walk on a floor and you're like, is this floor crooked? Or am I hallucinating? Anyway. Um, it's like bumpy. You're like, this foundation is, anyway. <laughs> am I going to fall through to my garage? Um, one of the biggest things that I, that I believe in that I did a whole podcast on and wrote about it and talked to so many people about was the nonprofit save us. Don't slave us. I worked with a lot of work, like talking to a lot of organizations. I did more research than people realize when I was starting that. Now here's the thing. It never really got off the ground. I still work with this organization. I actually did a zoom conference call with them not too long ago because I'm learning and I want to be involved in it. And I still do a lot behind the scenes without advertising, but I put a pause on it because I realized what was happening. Number one, starting a nonprofit is not like starting your car. It's not like starting a blog or a podcast. It is super time consuming and and difficult and hard. And when I was doing that, when I got the idea, something that's kind of been rolling around in the, in the memory banks of my head and the filing cabinet that's up there, COVID was, was pretty much wrecking our lives, whether that be COVID or the government or whatever, it was wrecking our lives. And I really wanted to take this idea that I, that I'd come up with a long, long time ago and I'd done some events with and some things with and take it to the next level. I really wanted to. I had a lot of time on my hands. I was kind of working overnights back in the workforce after being let go because of COVID. My son was young, so he was napping, you know, those glory days. He was going to bed earlier than he is now. I was also doing multiple podcasts. And I realized because of what COVID is bringing to the table, I have to do a lot more to start this. And I should have never announced it when I did. And I regret doing that because I didn't get to complete it. So the short update on that is it is everybody that I've talked to and everybody that has given me their support and their information on that, the, per- the people I'm working with, still working with on this project, you guys have been great. You know who you are. I don't have to say you by name. You guys have been awesome giving me the information that we need to do. Been working some of the uh, newsletters and, and contacts and making phone calls, everything. You guys are awesome. We're going to put that on hold, but it's coming. For some of you that think it's never going to come, for some of you that think it's, it's a joke and, and, and I'm not doing it and it's just something, you know, well, it sucks to be you. 
but it's coming because I believe in that. It's, I'm passionate about that. I believe in doing something for the community to try and stop. It's not even to try and stop human trafficking. It's to try and help the people that have been involved. The, the people that are out there fighting the good fight, literally behind closed doors, the people, the survivors. Yes, I believe in that. And there's so much that goes on in the area. So much that goes on in, in your own backyard that you don't even know about it. And we just sit there and let it happen. But So that is on a standstill. The biggest project ever, which has really been the start of this podcast, is my writing. If you guys have known me ever, you know how much I like to write. I literally just, I was going through the garage and my storage stuff, figuring out what I can get rid of, what I can keep. And I found so many notebooks of finished stories, finished books, really, from my zombie novel, which was really fun. I took a segment out of my life in high school from eighth grade to senior year and literally wrote about that because of so many things that took place, which maybe that'll turn into something one day. Little short snippets of stories, just amazing stuff. I mean, I don't know if it's amazing, but the fact that I kept it is good. To the book, The Life of an Average Joe, which really is the whole reason, the series behind this podcast. Granted, the podcast took took over, but that book has been finished for a long time, and I want to talk a little bit about that because it's important. The reason that I've delayed it so much, minus the first part of my life when I just was married and distracted and not doing anything and didn't care and... You know, like, I'll get to it when I get to it. The first part of the reason was money. Look, it takes money to get to book published the right way. In this day and age, there's a thousand different ways you can get your book published. And it depends how you want to go. You can go all digital. You can go, you know, there's just so many different ways that make it easy. And I support those ways. But I'm also a traditionalist. I like the hard copy. Now, I will be available on all digital platforms, but I also have hard copies because I think there's something special about that. I think when you look down at a book that you bought, now we also have also tossed out a lot of books or donated a lot of books, but when you look down at a book that you bought from somebody that you respect, I bought Dave Grohl's story. I'm never going to get rid of that Dave Grohl book. I'm never going to get rid of the Anthony Bourdain books. Frank Sinatra memoirs. Those are special to me, and I'll probably reference them one day. And I like them. I've got some coffee table books, too, that are pretty unique and amazing. But I think when you look at that book, and if you know the author, if you listen to this podcast, if you know me personally, and, and you're a friend or an acquaintance or a co-worker, and, and you look down at that book, you're going to go, dude, he wrote this. Whether, whatever you do with it at that point, you've had it there. I think there's something special about that. I have bought books from local authors that I really like, and I've read them twice. They've never written, you know, once or twice. They've never written anything again. I'm never getting rid of that for what they wrote inside, for the story that I can tell one day to my son or somebody else. Hey, man, check this book out. Because you never know when you're going to meet somebody. The conversation arises, and you go, hey, man, check this book out. I got it. And you'll never be able to find it again. Or maybe you will. Yeah, a lot of those copies may end up giving away, may end up in a, 
in a resale shop somewhere and garage sale who knows but if one person reads your book that's the most important thing so for me i want to i wanted a combination of the re, of the books physical digital and I wanted to be able to do some promotional stuff, which I have set up with two great local breweries that I'm not going to mention that should have happened already. But because one of them is moving to a new location, that should give you a hint, we've postponed it. But it costs money. And I've had some great people want to contribute to that. But if anybody knows me, I'm a stubborn individual and I won't do it. I am stubborn. I am so stubborn. I just won't take it. You're not gonna give me money, even though you're, you know, it's a payback or you're investing. I, I, I can't do it. I won't do it. So I've waited. There's also been several things that have made me wait. Rewrites, constant rewrites. You start to question yourself, and I think an artist. I'm not throwing myself in the artist category, but an artist or an author starts to question themselves sometimes and you're like, I don't know. You can over detail it too. You can over question yourself instead of just putting it out there. I mean, think about George Lucas. Look how tall, yes, I compared myself to George Lucas. Look how long it took for him to release the prequels. Now, I don't care what you think about those prequels. It still took him a very, very long time. If we were gonna wait for him to do his sequels, he'd be dead. I'm not George Lucas, but you can overthink it to the point that you almost destroy it. I'm not saying he did that with the prequels. I'm just saying. And then you know, and then you put out something that doesn't represent you or, or really the story that you're talking about. I did that. I was starting down that path and I was like, whoa, but then I also had to go back and I had to, you know, Brandon's got the attitude of like, Hey, don't worry about you know, legalities. Don't worry about legalities. We know you're dropping names and you're dropping business names and all that, but don't worry about if somebody gets mad at you. Who's going to sue you? Your book is never going to get that big to the point that somebody sues you. Well, when publishers and the publisher starts to tell you, hey, you need to change these names. Unless you have written permission from everybody that you talk about in this book, you need to change those names. I'm like, but what about all these other people? What about, what about Dave Grohl? What about Nikki Six? What about Frank Sinatra when they mention those people? And he's like, you don't think they have a team of lawyers that already handled this crap for them? You don't think that some of them have been sued? How many times have you heard somebody put out a memoir and then somebody counters that? Well, that's not really what happened. You can't afford that. Okay, fine. And then I was told exactly what I could and couldn't do. You know what it's like to go back and have to change specific names? Now, I'm going to tell you right now, some of them I didn't do. Uh, by the way, my frustration took over and I, I put that book on the shelf, so to speak. And I was like, yeah, I'll get there. I'm not doing that crap. And then eventually I got back to it. But there are specific names, people I know personally that aren't going to care. And then there's specific names that people aren't even alive anymore. So whatever. And the businesses aren't around anymore. So let's see what happens. With my luck, though, had I not changed those names, I'd have had like 50 lawsuits. And let me tell you something, I can't afford that, okay? I got enough people mad at me. 
Again, money, delay, money. It's supposed to be out. I can tell you right now on this 100th episode, guys, the book has been complete, perfected, as good as it's going to get from the artwork, everything. As good as it's going to get, it is here. And it'll be in whoever's hands that want it very, very soon. Matter of fact, I'm gonna post some. I'm gonna post a picture this weekend. I'm gonna post a picture. I got some moving and stuff to do, or packing or whatever. Of course, by the time you guys hear this, I'll probably already be in the house. Um, I'm gonna take a picture for you guys, just to show you. And the link on the podcast, the link on the website, lifeofanaveragejoepodcast.com for merch, is up and running. As of the day I recorded this podcast. So there you go. You can pre, you don't have to put any money down. Unless you buy like, I don't even know if I have any t-shirts left. If you buy a t-shirt, I'll get one, but it might be a while. Um, But you don't have to put any money down for pre-orders on the book. You can literally just sign up. That way you you know. Digital copy is always cheaper. And those will be on Amazon and all that other fun crap. The great thing is the second book won't take nearly as long to be out because it's already written. I wrote that one so fast. Look, you get a divorce, you got all the time in the world. You get a divorce and you just got one kid, you got all the time in the world. I don't recommend getting a divorce if you're happily married and have multiple kids. I'm just saying. So it's coming. And that's what I wanted to say. And if you guys want to know what this what this book is about, I've talked about it a little bit. Let's talk about it a little bit more for the next couple minutes. The life of an average Joe, my life behind bars. I've worked in the bar industry, the restaurant industry, the service industry, whatever you want to call it. I don't really like calling it the service industry because you have people that work at Target that are in the service industry. Customer service. But we say service industry and we automatically assume restaurants, bars, things like that. I don't know what you would call it. I just, I just don't like it. I just think there should be a different name. But I've worked in there for so long, guys, so long. I've had other jobs, and I did a podcast about a year ago about other jobs I've had. If you haven't listened to it, go back and listen to it. Um, but I learned a lot. The restaurant industry is a unique... It's unique because it's a theme throughout, whether it's fine dining fast food, casual, bar, club, there's a theme. From the way the kitchen is, from the way, you know, there's just themes. You You could pull five people that have worked in five different restaurants in five different states, and they would share similar stories. Whether that be about a Friday night rush, short staffed, Uh, crazy customers, crazy GMs, or restaurants that just close without telling you. And I've gathered stories over the years. I'm 43. If we really want to get technical, 15 is the first time I was in the service industry. If we really want to get beyond technical, non-restaurant related, I worked at an apple orchard at at, at 13 going on 14. How did you work at an apple orchard at 13 years old, Brandon? Well, you could. I made $3.75 an hour, (laughs) but you could back in the day. 
but 15 if we really want to be technical and that was definitely illegal and not, and there's now everybody knows about it but i learned a lot i've always been attracted to that industry the entertainment industry the you know no not from the movie cocktail although i did watch that several times just the idea of being able it's a combination i didn't care about being a server Matter of fact, I don't like being a server. And anybody that's ever worked with me knows that I, it, when I had to do it because we were short-staffed or because I was trying to help somebody out, I hate it. And I was a good server back in the day. I really was. Granted, I didn't roll silverware because I didn't want to. But I was a good server back in the day. But I was a better cocktail. That's why they moved me whenever I was at a quote-unquote restaurant that hired me as a server when I didn't have a lot of management experience at the time, they go, man, we're going to put you in cocktail because I can hustle. I have that bar attitude, that bar vibe, that bar theme in my body, whatever that may be. I don't know if there's a theme in your body, but it's there. So I hustled. But I was a better manager than I was a server. I was a better GM than I was a manager. And I'm going to tell you right now, I consider myself, I don't know anymore because I'm rusty. I'm a good, no, you know what? I'm going to say it. I was a great bartender. From fast to chill. Some of you that worked with me might not agree. I also don't really care. I had drinks that I didn't make as good as others, but I could get those tips. I could run that line down. I had a bar, trust me, when you got 60, 70 people deep and you're slinging drinks and you have tickets that are just nonstop going on the floor and you don't lose your cool and you're a machine and you walk out with $700, $800 before you get your tip share, you're a bartender, man. I could talk to anybody from any walk of life. What did not matter what you drank? I'll find you something. Did not matter if you didn't like beer and wanted to try beer. I'll find you a beer that you like. If I didn't know the cocktail when I first started, you fake it till you make it. I want something different, Brandon. You know, just make me something. Yeah, okay. And I would just do it. But more importantly, I understood the bar business. Because it's not about everything I just said. Those are just fragments. It's about people. And the reason that most bars and most owners fail is because they don't understand that it's about people. It's about connections. It's about making people happy. You could have a full bar all day, but if you aren't making that person feel special, if you're not making every single person in that bar feel like a regular, you will fail as a bartender, you will fail as a GM, and you will fail as an owner. If you're just watching numbers and watching ounces and, and, and everything, graphs and this and, and trends, and you're not trying to be unique and make this place like Cheers, whether it's 100, you know, can hold 100 people or 3,000, you got to somehow find out. You got to find that niche. You got to find that ability in a crowd of 3,000 people to make them feel special. And I can do that.
I've done that because I've worked at bars that have, their max capacity was 72. Now, granted, we've also typically would average 150. Uh, possibly the, the last night we had over 200 in there, not including the patio. But I've managed to sit there and talk to a customer on a dead Wednesday night at this particular bar that I worked at for hours. I had five or six people come in, in in a matter of four hours. Shift's almost over. Walked out with $150. Worked a Sunday afternoon covering for somebody. I was the GM, but also bartending at the time, covering for somebody. We opened at noon. Noon to midnight. That's what I worked. I didn't have anybody till like four o'clock in the afternoon. Had a couple people. Then didn't have anybody till eight until a couple of my buddies came up. Then they left. I walked out of there at eleven fifty-five. Instead of whining and complaining about my shift, I made 120 bucks. You look at that and go, well, Brandon, that's not a lot. It's a twelve hour shift, 120 bucks, ten dollars an hour. Okay. I was also making $15 an hour. So when I bartended, not including my bonuses, not including my salary. So figure it out. You got to do the best, but guess what? Every Sunday, those people started coming back. Now I didn't typically work Sundays, but I created a base of regulars for my bartender who was out of town. So when she came back, she had a base of regulars, took over, and then those people came again on Wednesday and Friday. It's about people. I don't care what drinks you have. I don't care what specials you have. I don't care what entertainment you have. It's about people. I did that at the nightclub too. When you got people dropping back in the day, $350 a bottle on Absolute, you better make them feel special. And let me tell you something, a lot of them are douchebags. But you got to know how to, how to deal with them while still making them feel special so they can drop $1,500 every Friday, $1,600, maybe more. I've given my heart and soul to that industry to the point now that I never want to do it again because it is an unforgiving hell on earth. Does that mean that I don't have respect for people in that industry? I love them. Some of the greatest people I've ever met still work in that industry. And if you know what, that's for them. I, I salute them and you do it. It ain't for me anymore. Because when you sink your heart and soul into something and you show up ready to go to work and your employees are outside and they can't get into the building because the jackass owner hasn't paid rent in three months and skipped town and there's a lock on the door and you've just lost your job after you just built this place up to be something special and you've done that, and then you get hired again, and you work, and you work, and you work, and you make this, this place, you know, something amazing, and these, these motley crew of people, family, and you find out the night of your shift that it was the last night, and half of your staff get fired, they don't get their money, and you get offered a job to go somewhere else for half the pay, after you literally built that place, literally built the bar. Physically, we're there with a hammer and a screwdriver and a drill and built that bar. 
man, you get burned out. Or what about the times that the owners come in and reach their hands into the cash register to take out cash? They just need it. And you look at them and go, hey, man, I don't have enough cash tomorrow, Sunday. I got to tip these servers out. And they literally look at you and say, F the servers. They can wait. And you look at him and say, no, F you. Now, that's not appropriate. But either it's stealing money from your own staff and, oh, by the way, from your investors. I can tell you right now, guys, I have stories. I have funny stories. I have sad stories. I have scary stories. And they're all in this book. Because I think that people need to see exactly what goes on in the service industry. Because when you go in and you decide not to tip your server, what you, you know, you tip your server $3 on a $50 bill, oh, they get paid. Because there's still people like that out there. They don't understand. Two thirteen an hour right here in Texas. Are there other jobs? Are there other restaurants that pay you more an hour? Sure. Two thirteen an hour just covers their taxes. Barely. That's what they get paid. Now, do I think that every person that, that is a server deserves the best tip? No, I don't. I don't. You can tell when a server's having a bad day and they're trying, and you can tell when a server just sucks. But I almost think giving them no tip is expected, and it creates this toxic environment. But if you give them a little tip, that's more insulting. No, I'm not going to tip a server who gets my order wrong because she's not listening or he's not listening, gets my order wrong because he's just on his phone. I'm not going to tip him what I would normally tip him, but I'm also not going to walk away with nothing. Here's your dollar, bro. That makes people more upset. So I don't think that just because you walk in and you sit down at a bar, at a restaurant, that you should just automatically tip 20% plus. And I'm going to tell the servers and bartenders out there, just because you're there doesn't mean your tip is guaranteed. You work that tip. And yes, it does suck sometimes when you work your butt off and they don't get crap. And that's what I'm telling everybody. There's, there's, there's a two-edged sword here. But did you know that as these guys get two thirteen an hour and that we are in almost a cashless society, their tips on credit card get taxed 40%. You leave them $10, they're only getting 60% of that tip. And if you work at some places that do this, it it's, depends on how they, how they word it, they will charge the server a fee to cover their credit card machines, which is just the cost of doing business anyway. There's another time that they'll put all their money on a paycheck and they don't get paid biweekly. Now, there's a couple restaurants that I know I got some friends that are working at fine dining, you're having $300, $400 tips, $150 tip. Yeah, I get that. You, you just can't have that much cash. That makes sense. So when you're getting your paycheck every other week and you, you know it's like three grand, yeah, okay, cool. But when you're at your average bar and you're closing out at the end of the night and they don't have cash to give you, oh, you get it in two weeks. So they're making two thirteen an hour, getting taxed 40% on their credit card tips, which is 90% of their tips, if not more, you're gonna make them wait two weeks. This service industry is a garbage dump right now run by greedy people that don't care about you. You are spoke on a wheel of a broken bicycle. And since COVID, it's gotten worse. 
Now you might say, Brandon, you're jaded. You're, you're, you're just burnt. No, okay, sure, I'll give you that. Read the book. I got stories to tell you. Then you can tell me why I feel the way I feel. Oh, I'm a, I'm a beautiful girl with big boobs. Tip me. No, bro. I want to tip the fat, ugly girl who knows how to have a personality. <laughs> oh, look at me, bro. I'm a bro. I go to the gym every day, bro. No, man. Give me that half burnout dude who still listens to Grateful Dead who I can carry a conversation with. But that's what we're living with right now. You have a group of bartenders in every state that know each other, that rotate to the hottest bar, to the hottest bar, to the hottest bar, because they look a certain way. Oh, I can get these tips. I make 500 a night. Yeah, but you don't even know, you don't even know what an IPA is. You think it's something that you have to stick inside of you so you don't get pregnant. I mean, come on. And then you have another group of servers and you have another group of bartenders that are dedicated to their business, that treat it like it's their own, that get screwed over by management, screwed over by society, meaning customers, and screwed over by the industry. It's enough, it needs a reform. Read the book. So if you guys don't think I have stories to tell after working at you know managing nightclubs from a honky-tonk to a real techno electronic music bar or club, from a little tiny neighborhood pub, from, a, from multiple craft beer bars, from a little dive diner downtown Frisco. I can keep going, guys. You don't think I got some stories to tell? I don't know what to tell you, but this book is my heart and soul. If you want to know the life of an average Joe, you start off with this book, guys, the life of an average Joe podcast.com. I'm done plugging it, but that's what's been going on in my life. I'm very excited about everything that's coming forward. As far as the podcast goes, I got to tell you something. I have been blessed with having sponsors. Now, I just recently lost a sponsor. It happens. It's nothing personal. We we ran out. the, The contract was up, and that's okay. I still support Oasis Texas Brewing in Austin. You guys have been great. Lucky 13's Tattoo Aftercare. Got a t-shirt in. I'm going to take a picture of it. Thank you so much. You guys can go ahead and go to them on the life of an average Joe podcast.com. Get your discount for all your lovely ink. But I'm grateful. Somebody's paying me to talk about their product. That that's very special to me. But something awesome has happened. And I'm going to make the announcement right now. Are you ready? Are you? No, I'm pretty excited about this. There's a new place opening up in Frisco, print shop. Well, it's not in Frisco technically, so I'm sorry. Regret. Let me pull that. I guess technically it is Frisco. Well, okay, let me start off. It's a Frisco location, but they're opening up a second location. Deal. I gotta give a shout out to my new sponsor, Groggy Dog. Groggy Dog, you guys are awesome. You guys have made my shirts when I've worked at a certain bar on Main Street. You guys have made my hats when I needed it for a charity event. And now they're opening up a brand location in Plano. Groggy Dog sponsor. That location will be open up in the next couple weeks. I will be on there live doing a podcast. And they have online ordering. So if you're looking for merch, you're looking for shirts, you're looking for hats, you're looking for backpacks, stickers, underwear, thongs, bras, anything like that. I don't know, but I'm assuming, I hope. Groggy Dog, check them out. Go to their website in Frisco. You can check out what they do. And then you can see their new location open up and there'll be a special discount. Average Joe to go. You type that in, 
you get 20% off your first order. Average Joe to go. So when one door closes, another one opens. Guys, thank you. This is the 100th episode. I've got a lot coming on, uh, coming down the pipe here. We got some live episodes. I had to move some things around for some interviews, but don't worry. The live episodes are coming back. I'm going to do a, a Facebook, Instagram live as well as YouTube. I just start throwing it on there just for the heck of it. Every Sunday, that'll start coming back in the next couple weeks. I'll give you some promos on that. Uh, we also, don't forget, don't forget, Trash Talk with Stuart Sachs. We're approaching our two-year anniversary. We're doing a very special two-year anniversary show live. Uh, we're working on the location right now. Uh, the other thing I have coming on, I got some very good special guests coming on. Of course, Nick Luck will be back. Very excited about that. I've got a great local artist coming up very soon. I've got a very good friend who I haven't seen in years. Uh, however, he just is coming out with a new album, so he's going to come on, hopefully perform a song for us. Man, and I've got more stories from the Life of an Average Joe podcast. We got a, a short story talking about Edgefest, one of the great concerts I went to, connected to one of the bars I went to. We got to see Fits in the Tantrums, Black Keys, Garbage, uh, Hoiser, or Hoiser, is that how you say it? Hoser, whatever, we'll say Hoser. Um, who else? Some 41. Just some great people were there. Also had two bands play at a bar that I work at. So that's another story we got coming up. So much coming down the pipe. And I just want to thank each and every one of you for listening to the Life of an Average Show podcast. I could not do this without you. I mean, I could, but it would be kind of pointless, I guess. So all my friends out there, to my podcast friends that are busting their butts with what they do, I'm going to tell you right now, you keep doing it. To the ones I know, to the ones I don't know, you keep doing it. To the ones I do know and listen to, you guys are awesome. I'm going to forget. I know I'm going to forget because that's who I am. Notes my goats podcast. Boom. My dog's in Michigan. We got to get together soon. If you're not coming to Texas in August, which it looks like that might not be happening, it's okay. I don't blame you. It's hell down here. I will see you in December. That's happening. Wilson King podcast, one of the first dudes that I started connecting with. Just a great show. Glad he's back doing his thing. Super happy about that. Super excited to see what he's got coming on. Of course, Travis Patton Sr. from Tell Me Something Good. Not only am I a fan, I consider you a friend, and it means a lot to me. Trash Talk, obviously. Stuart Sachs, been a supporter and a fun friend to hang out with over the last few years, even long before the episodes. I mean, we were, I was on his show, Someone You Should Know, a couple times, and something to talk about once. It's just been great. He's been helping me with everything. Chris, Chris, from Boston, you know, gosh, what a great podcast. I was a guest on his, the, um, excuse me, Front Steps Talk. Am I, I just messed it up, Front Steps Talk. That's, that's not it, Front Steps. Yes, it is. Front stairs, front porch. Chris, I suck. <laughs> I just, I, you know I listen to your podcast. Look it up. Guys, he's on my, I'm going to post links to every one of these people. Front stairs talk. I'm just saying it's front steps. Is it front stairs or front steps, Chris? Doesn't matter. You're a good dude, man. You're a great dad. I fully support you. I know you've had to take some time off, man, but you've continued to support this show and just be a good dude. Much love. Oh, God, Hops and Geeks News. Um, you guys are phenomenal. Love you guys. I can't think of anybody else, man. Danny from Australia, man. So, you're, you're the man. Jeez, um, who else we got here? Oh, gosh, I don't know. Paul, Paul from Cork, Ireland. Big fan. Love you, buddy. You are just a truly awesome 
gentleman who is a wealth of knowledge. And I'm very glad that we've maintained our connections. Guys, Nick Luck from the AOK Podcast. How could I forget Nick Luck? Another friend, an amazing artist. He's been on here. He's my, he's my host and sometimes co-host. Uh, we're both on Wisdom every Friday night. Guys, I'm done thinking, everybody. But th- I'm not done. I could keep going. But my time's coming up and I have things to do. So I really appreciate everything you guys done. The 100th episode is here. Let's make it 200. Novera's out.